Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Open your hearts and loosen your butts. It's time for Couples Therapy. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's Where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies Talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling To messy situationships and conscious and coupling From Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu Text, sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah Needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it And welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Andy. And I'm Naomi. We're a real-life couple. A real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple different questions from a couple different listeners. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your episode for this week. Oh, we're coming to you the very day before the episode drops. I gotta tell you, if you want to if you're asking yourself, Andy, how are you doing today? <laughs> Which is what I was going to ask you. <laughs> well, this is me communicating with the listeners. Communing with the listeners. You, know, I mean, you must. As if we're in a sweat lodge of the soul. Mm. Got to tell you, folks, took a nap before noon. That's how this day is going. Iconic. Iconic. To take a nap less than three hours after being awake. <laughs> it, that says so much. That's like a very um, revealing sentence. Uh-huh. It tells you about a person's mental state. Yeah, it tells you about yeah. their emotional state. It tells you about their requirements for the day. I went to go do the housework and vacuum, but Mabel was asleep on the floor, and I was like, I can't. <laughs> My dear Mabel, look at everything she's been through this year: mastectomy, chemotherapy, bladder irritation. You can't and now vacuum, she, and now she's napping, and I'm going to disturb her <laughs> nap. You're a very kind soul, but also you didn't feel like vacuuming in that moment. And it's okay for that to be true, too. So where are you at, Naomi? Where am I at? Well, you know, I got my finger hovered over the order food now button. <laughs> Waiting for a little a little brekkie lunch combination to arrive, you know. But. Hey, last night you did a show with Patton Oswald and Dana Gould at Largo, one of our favorite, if not our favorite. Can you say our favorite venue here in Los Angeles? Absolutely. Absolute favorite venue. The only place where i actually stay after my set mm-hmm. hang out all evening <laughs> so how do you feel after that you crushed oh did i crush that's nice it was funny because i hadn't performed in a couple weeks by my you know uh which was my own choice so i was feeling like a little rusty it's so funny because it's like obviously after all the time we had taken off but because i had been hitting it so hard for two months before the special i was really like oh i'm a machine i'm a machine and then two weeks off i was like oh what is this again i've forgotten but it was still fun it was fun you were 
Patton and Dana Gould. All so fun. Like when we were leaving, we walked out of our house and a man was walking by staring at us uh-huh. as we were leaving the house, locking up. Almost, I would say, clocking the fact that we were leaving our house. Of course. That's what I said immediately. And like committing to memory. The address. The address. The number. So he could come back and, you know. I know. Uh, take our, you know, I, I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag about where we are financially, but I did get the big thing of cat litter at target <laughs> the big thing <laughs> you know what i'm talking about there's the like there's like a regular thing of cat litter and then there's the big like the, like 20 gallon jug yeah like the kind of jug that uh the salt crystals that you put in your water that my parents put in their water softener come in okay i want to brag you might have come back and been like i'm gonna take that <laughs> so i was i had that in the back you know uh, with my anxious mind, I had that in the back of my head mm-hmm. the entire time. Right, 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 right. Um, but uh, you guys were so funny that when you were on stage, it did take my, it really did. The minute you, you got off stage, you my brain to- went straight back to my anxieties. Like, the guy's rifling through <laughs> my boxers, my old Navy boxer shorts right now. <laughs> rifling through. He's trying them on, <laughs> picking his favorite. Well, some of them have a uh, bad badly uh, sewn crotches naomi that's true i know i know that's <laughs> so, what, honey with old navy what every one out of 12 items gonna have a badly sewn crotch mm-hmm. and that's the old navy promise <laughs> uh but you felt good doing it i did it felt good it was fun you know those two caucasian kings as i can't <laughs> stop calling them were just very lovely and tender yeah. i felt really i was like wow i'm, I'm up here with some with some big dogs <laughs> some <laughs> big dogs <laughs> Can I tell you, Patton came in to talk to us, and he was, like, asking how we were doing. And I, I paused for a second. I don't know why I launched in to tell him the honest truth. I was yeah, like, I yeah, I'm coming out of depression. <laughs> a little, dep- not like a real depression, but, like, I I go that, and he, like, like, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I realize, I'm like, why did you say that, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just say, oh, I'm doing good, and move on. <laughs> and move on. I don't know why I felt like I should be honest with a guy who I've met now maybe twice right once on the podcast and once in real life it's okay (laughs) it's okay you learn for next time you know me i lean on the side of just dishonesty sure flat out lies sure 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 that's That's not true that's the peregrine promise (laughs) (laughs) me and old navy we're promising you the worst hey naomi before we tell you who the look if you haven't looked uh, (laughs) at the mp3 at uh, the description on Twitter or anything like that, who the guest is today. This is going to be a surprise in a second. But before we get there, Naomi, we have a follow-up. Okay, yes. This follow-up comes from Xander, who you heard his harrowing tale uh, in the H. Allen Scott episode just a few weeks ago. And Xander has come through with a follow-up. Yeah, do you want to just give a quick, like, two-cents recap? I mean, you have got to listen, because it's probably the best call we've ever gotten. But Xander moved to a small town that was kind of conservative. He met a man on a dating app. Uh, Xander's a teacher. They started dating. They they were having a dalliance, <laughs> if you will, a sexual dalliance. Uh, that, Xander's a teacher. Xander had, like, a parent-teacher night. And in walks the man he's been having a dalliance with. With his With wife. his wife. With his wife. And did I also mention this man is a an officer of the law? A Leo. Law enforcement officer. Oh, I was like, what is his astrological sign? <laughs> okay, I see. A Leo, that's a Scorpio. All right, <laughs> let's hear this follow-up. Hey, Naomi and Andy. It's Xander again, the small-town homo, now ex-teacher, um, calling in to give an update. Um, 
from the voicemail on your episode with H. Allen Scott. I appreciate your guys' advice so much. Um, quick update, I guess. Uh, did not go well, um, obviously. He kept messaging me, kept trying to get me to meet him, and I guess deep down in my soul somewhere I knew it wasn't the right thing. And I did ignore messages, and I did just kind of try to brush the situation to the side. Um, about a month after those conferences and ignoring the texts and things like that, um, he ended up calling me, asking me if I could come to their house because there was an issue they were having with the kids and he needed some help um, taking care of those kids, which were one of them was my student. So I thought I was being a good person. And, of course, not thinking too deep into it, I drove out there and he did not even have his kids with him. And he started giving me this weird story about how um, he needed to go to Colorado and he wanted me to go with him that night. And... I got obvious bad vibes. Like, I'm pretty sure if I went on that trip, I probably would have not came back. Um, so um, I told him I had to go get something out of my car, and I left and drove home. Um, next day at school, there were flyers all over the school with my picture and a nice little paragraph saying, you know, this is a gay man teaching your kids and blah, blah, blah. And so what ended up happening, I mean, it wasn't the full, like, people coming out of their houses with pitchforks and torches, like, let's find the queer. But I thought of 10 for that. And so I did have to move, did lose my job. Um, I luckily did move to a nice little town in between two bigger towns. Um, so I do have some people now that I am able to visit and communicate with and kind of have that LGBTQ um, friendship connection I need. Um, I joined what they call uh, the pup community, which has been quite an adventure for me, um, but I've met some amazing people through that who have been full of support. Um, but yeah, the situation got pretty much as bad as it could get. So um, hopefully nobody else turns into him or has to deal with him. And um, hopefully his wife and the kids can um, separate themselves from that danger. And, yeah. Whoo! Uh, oh, fuck? That was not what I was expecting from that follow-up. I knew it didn't go great, but, I mean, the flyers? Jesus. Luring him? Trying to get him out of state? This is a Lifetime movie. This is a Lifetime movie, and I think I'm going to have to write it. It's called The Xander Story. This is crazy. This man is an act. And it's like, Andy's a cop. And it's like, surprise, surprise. Oh, are you maybe the last person should, who should be in a position of authority over anyone else? I'm just very glad Jesus. that Xander is safe, that he's gotten to a safe house, that he moved away. I hope he is able yeah, to find another job and like that I'm this man has not like destroyed his career. Xander, so we're here for you. Fucked up that the guy here for the guy got him fired like that. I know. Like, and, and, and I mean, anyway, I mean, I, there was no good way to get right. But like, but also got him fired because he wouldn't hook up with him. So the fact that he's like, oh, there's a gay man teaching, and it's like, you sir are also a gay man or a bisexual man. You are a member of the LGBTQIA Queer. community, whether you are not, whether you want to believe it or not, sir. And you trying to tattle on other people? That is a sickness. 
I'm so sorry Xander had to face that sickness, but I'm so glad he survived, and I'm glad he trusted his gut and was like, I gotta get something out of the car, and just peel the fuck out. (laughs) Also, cut to Naomi and I listening to that, furiously Googling pup community. (laughs) We did. I was like, pup? What's pup? You know we're sex and egg. But we figured it out, and I'm glad. Also, that sounds like just very vanilla. A fun group. Yeah, it does look like a fun group. (laughs) But, um. I like the masks. I'm glad you found. No, the masks scare me. Actually, oh really? I think they're cool looking. If you look up look up pop community, the masks are cool. I think. Um, I am just so glad you're okay, Ugh, Andy. I'm sorry. This is like it's like almost too hard to pivot because now I want to introduce our episode and our wonderful guest. But well, that is harrowing. What we just really, were told yeah, really that was is. very harrowing. I hope you, the listener, are like grappling if you're doing okay i'm gonna now tell you i'm gonna give you a quick three a three two one countdown into introducing our guests just so you can transition yeah. well do you want to brainstorm ways that we as a community can get revenge on the cop <laughs> i mean i wish there was obviously i'm sure xander has you know the receipts right he's got probably text messages and whatnot mm-hmm. i think but again in that town that was like what what can be done you know how these cops are they protect themselves all right. Each other. Three, Three two, two, one. We have such a fun episode today. We are talking to the hilarious, the wonderful Michael Cyril Crichton. Michael is an actor who you have seen all over the place, Heidi. He's been, a, he was in Spotlight. You heard. Right now, he can be seen in the Hulu show Only Murders in the Building, which Andy and I have already watched, okay? Yes, it just started like what, last week, two weeks ago? Yep. And uh, I gotta say, so it's Steve Martin, Martin Short biggest laugh out of us so far was michael cyril Crichton. mcc brought the lols also you can see him in dexter new blood starting november 7th on showtime so he is taking us through the fall yeah and that's a beautiful thing and this episode is truly a beautiful thing so andy if you could do the honors let's roll it Michael, we are so excited to have you and to be talking to you after our pandemic Marco Polos. Yes. To be here now in a in a true to life Zoom mm-hmm. yes. to be recording a podcast, which mm-hmm. is the highest form of friendship in Los Angeles. Yes. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, if I if I'm a little loopy, this whole week I've been on call for jury duty. And what is Oh, sorry. What is that like? Like in call, do you have to go there or you just have to check every morning? You got to check around 7 p.m. every night whether they need you the next day for a jury or whether they've had too many plea deals and they don't need you. (laughs) So but every time I go to click on the to see if I have to come in, it's I, I'm shaking. My heart's beating fast. It's like uh, I can't remember the last time where I've like. Like even not even like, uh, hey, we're going to pick your show up or not. Or like we're going to pay for a pilot. Like any of the like real show busy things. Like my heart hasn't beaten as fast as do I have to go in for jury duty? I couldn't so imagine doing jury duty right now or in general. But I, I had to do that same thing once and I called in every night and then they never called me. I never had to go. And then, I would, you know, you're clear for however many years or something. Yeah. So fingers crossed. I got one more day. So it's driving me a little nuts. Just putting that out there. <laughs> I, I, it's so funny because I get what you mean. It's I'm very frustrated by like when I don't have control over my life and I have to just wait for someone to tell me something. You know, right? Where it's yes. like even it's like what day, what time am I coming to work or what time makes me crazy. Yet I'm like you've gotten through now four days 
you're not going in tomorrow. Relax. Like, I think you can finally relax. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. 7 p.m. tonight. We'll see. Yeah. The <laughs> unknown is, like, the worst thing in the world. Uh, the unknown is my uh, my Achilles heel. It drives me insane. So I get what you're saying. <laughs> just And there's been so much unknown. <laughs> right? I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> Let me ask you. Not just life. The unknown of life, of course. The great existential question. But then, like, of going into the business of acting. Is exactly. pure unknown. Oh yeah, yeah. Still is. I feel like it still is. Like every moment is sort of an unknown, and in between everything is an unknown. So uh, I just have learned how to fill my time in between the show business with things that make me happy that have nothing to do with show business. Like most of my friends that I hang out with are not in the business. They don't care what I do, um, which is really nice. And then I have a lot of lovely friends in the business, but it's nice to have that. Um, have that because I'm always like, what's next? Where am I going? What, and what you were just saying, what time do I have to be somewhere? Yes. yes. I could ask that question every minute of the day. <laughs> like yeah. what time, what time do I have to be there? But um, yeah, unknown. Interesting. Um, You posted something on Instagram recently, um, which, you know, I suggest everyone follow Michael in hopes that this will now force him to create more content around his dog, Sharon. Okay. <laughs> if we don't tell these listeners to follow you, you got to give them Sharon content. Okay. Yes. She's gorgeous. She's yes. a queen among us. She's right up there with Mabel. Um, but you were posting about you were somewhere and you remembered you worked at a box office at the oh. same place you were attending a premiere for yeah. something you were in. Right. Right. Uh, and can we talk about this box office? Can you explain this oh, box yeah. office on a boardwalk? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was, um, it was 2007. I had a, I, my, my whole full-time job all out of college for many, many, many years until probably 2008 was, um, working in box offices for theaters. So much like our friend Isaac Oliver. Yes. Um, so I was working at this theater and they picked up a big client and it was this international Spiegel tent that was going to be on the South Street Seaport Pier. And the hours seemed really cool. So I was like, yeah, I would love to, you know, man up and do that, <laughs> do that project. So I was like, oh, I have a project. This is so exciting. No one was prepared for this in any way, shape or form. The box office was a Rubbermaid shed on a pier that because it got so hot and because I felt like I was going to suffocate in it, they cut a hole in it and put an air conditioner in it. Okay. But because it was on the pier um, at night, there was no one patrolling the pier after we went home. So people would just uh, piss in the air conditioner. And wait, they would- wait, sorry. <laughs> All right, sorry. I'm just going to stop you for one second. <laughs> I assumed the end of that sentence was piss in the Rubbermaid shed. No. Exactly. <laughs> it was piss in the air conditioner. Yes, because the Rubbermaid shed had a lock on it, but the the back was just an air conditioner, and you could hide behind the back. So people would pee, and I'm assuming that was their hidden place to pee, and they would pee into the air conditioner. So when I would get in and turn the air conditioner on, it was like this really cold, oh. cold urine smell, oh. um, which was that horrible. Sounds, it should be illegal. That's like a medical – you need workers' comp, okay? Right. You're breathing in cold urine. Also – Wait, was the AC close to the ground? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I was like, how are they? Act- I was like, how are they t- getting up? Yeah, they cut it. Like- it was like a shed your like your family would have in the back to keep their tools in. Except okay. it was me and one other twenty something, and um, <laughs> they would uh, at night. Also, people would like to shake. I, I assume shake the Rubbermaid shed, and mm-hmm. so I'd come in and our 
ticket printer would be on the ground, dented. Every it, I cried every single time I went there. Oh no! Um, and then was there the was air conditioner. <laughs> was it like you know how in urinals uh, they'll put a fly because they're like, hey, the fucking animals that use this urinal will aim for the fly, and then they won't get their pit, their disgusting piss everywhere. You know, like that's the theory I, I suppose behind putting like a dot, yes, or a right. fly. In a, in a urinal. It makes it um, like a fun little game. <laughs> okay. okay. Is that what the air conditioner was for these people? For these disgusting <laughs> creeps? Disgusting creeps. Uh, I imagine it was. And it was like, again, like, I can't even... Well, there was, and I really didn't want to get into this on Instagram, but I'll tell you. Oh. There was a time where someone dutied behind there. Uh, and I just imagine it was like a hidden place where people could do whatever they want. Because it was a shed on a pier with the back of it sort of hidden. Uh, yeah. there, and there was a night, what I was talking about was there was a night when, um, you know, there were lines and lines of people for this thing and they were all sort of, they weren't all terrible people, but there were a lot of terrible people. Um, <laughs> On and there was, New York? <laughs> yeah. And there was a woman that um, was like, there were two lines and I said, could you please step to the side? And she goes, you don't have to be so fucking gay about it. And I took her credit card and I have a little bit of a temper, I would say. <laughs> I, th- I threw the credit card out the Rubbermaid shed down the boardwalk. Now, there was like a, a little tiny hole where we could talk out of the Rubbermaid shed and my hand was there and her husband or boyfriend or whatever he was, I hope they're still together, um, <laughs> he tried to pull my arm out from under it. Um, oh my God. It was terrible. It was terrible. But then I just went to see a screening of the first two episodes of Only Murders in the Building, which is a show I'm on. And um, it was on that pier. And I didn't yeah. realize it until we were watching the screening. And I was like, oh, all the memories. What a <laughs> sort of full circle moment. Um, yeah. So, so wait, you said uh, you, your anger can get the best of you. This is paraphrasing. Which is very surprising to me because you are so kind, so warm, so mellow. Yes. Thank you. But uh, uh, I'm curious about what are the things... What are the other instances, perhaps, where your anger has gotten the best of you? Well, you know, I don't I haven't really understood my anger until recently because uh, I didn't start real therapy uh, until I was 38 and I'm 42. Mm-hmm. I'm 42 now. Cut that out. Just kidding. You can have to. <laughs> I don't I don't care. But um, I I uh, I've learned that the I use it to so I don't get sad. So like if I'm uncomfortable if for any number of reasons actually if I'm anxious I'll uh, my go-to will be anger because it's a protector or whatever. Yeah. Um but I it's always, my anger comes out in very stupid things. Like things that don't are not worth getting angry about. Like mm-hmm. uh dropping a chicken finger or <laughs> uh, Oh or come like, on. No, that I would be furious. If I had six <laughs> chicken fingers, I lost one of them to the ground, I would lose it too. I'm on yeah. your side. Yeah, like um and it, and it's and it's fast and furious. And like um you know, it, it, and I worked in customer service for so so long and there there that I feel like is uh I honed that anger there. <laughs> uh, so it's something I'm trying to chill out on and work on. But um, yeah, I, I have a little bit of a temper. I think it's an Aries thing. Interesting. Aries. No, I will not support any astrological <laughs> support for any personality trait. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. Fair. I did, Fair. I did have a vision of you listening to the Smiths and punching up uh, one of those punching bag things. <laughs> that was... <laughs> It would have been that, but it would have been like Bikini Kill or something like that, <laughs> for sure. 
Um, you've been married a, a long time, right? Yeah, we've or been together. together uh, we've been married. Well, let's see. We've been together 17 years and we've been married for five. We got married on our 12th anniversary so we could keep the date. We got engaged yes. yep. on our 10th anniversary. And yep. then we two years later was the same date on a Saturday. Yeah. So we did that. Yeah, that's what um, we want to do. Yeah. When, when, when do you know when you're going to do it? Uh, well, Delta's really throwing out. I know, out. Delta's throwing yeah. us off. We were hoping, Throwing you know, a, a monkey wrench in the uh, matrimonial works, but uh, yeah. with that next March was the thought. Yeah. Who knows? Right, yeah. yeah. Who knows, maybe Lambda or uh, Zeta <laughs> will, uh, be melting the flesh off our bones by then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the unknown. Uh, I'm, the unknown. So, I'm so angry about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, um, it was funny. I didn't, marriage was very complicated for me, like just to wrap my head around it. It wasn't something that I really ever thought I would do ever even seem like an option for both of us. So we mm-hmm. were, grew, we both grew up very Catholic, uh, uh, have escaped that, <laughs> but <laughs> it was not something that I grew up uh, knowing was, an option like Mm -hmm, i mean of course you know i knew but um and uh when he proposed we kind of knew it was going to happen and and of course i want to spend my life with him but it made me feel very very nervous um about just the institution of it the sort of um the whole thing but then like as soon as like most things in my life like as soon as the thing happens that i'm worried about Mm -hmm. I feel so good and I want to do it a hundred more times. Like I, 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 uh, I, I loved our wedding. I thought it was so fun and um, I wish we could do it again and I could plan it again. So I wasn't um, coming at it from a place of like super anxious. Um, uh, But it was so fun. And then once we were married, I was like, this is really nice. I like this. And it doesn't have to be what, uh, you know, there's no rules to what um, the marriage is as far as traditional, like, you know, I grew up, thinking like you know all, all that stuff that you're told when you're young mm-hmm. about um and i just didn't know what um it was going to be like for me and him and it's been really really nice what was the picture in your head like what did you think it was was it just heterosexuality is that what it, were you talking about or is it more other roles just within a relationship i think it was bore i think i was afraid it was going to get boring and it was going to get stale and we weren't going to like go on dates and do fun things and, and, and it was going to become very rigid and it just wasn't, it actually became, uh, it's been a nicer sort of deeper life and, you know, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I've never talked about this, but my grandparents have not known, uh, who Brian is or that I had a Brian for our whole relationship. And, um, for a number of reasons, like I'm not a brave mm-hmm. person. My everybody else in my family knows my mom, my aunts. Everybody loves Brian. They've known him from the beginning. My grandparents didn't know they weren't at our wedding. Um, oh, it was kind of like a secret. And um, but once we got married, there was sort of like this: we're together now forever, and we have to, uh, and we're going to act accordingly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and then, uh, sort of one of the good things that came out of this whole. Y- Two, two years. So I, I say it's two years now. <laughs> this whole two <laughs> years of the pandemic um, was he met my grandparents uh, under sad circumstances, but under necessary circumstances because uh, he's my husband at this point, and we mm-hmm. we had to go. We had to go to a, a funeral for a family member, and um, I just told my mom I can't do that alone. 
And so hmm. Brian's, Brian's coming and we're just doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. we just did it. And now it's like, you know, I know the issues that that brings up for my grandparents, but it, uh, everybody's dealing and that's not my problem anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. Literally yeah. never, never spoke about that because everybody, you know, would, ass- I mean, I'm the gayest person in the world. Like everybody would assume that everybody knows that, yeah. uh, but my grandparents just didn't for a really long time for like a whole number of reasons. And, um, so it's kind of freeing. To, yes. I can yeah. imagine. I mean, but it's also so interesting to me because everyone else in the family knew. So it's almost like I feel bad for your grandparents because they're out of the loop in a way. Right. <laughs> I'm like, How did everyone keep this quiet? to them around them everyone else knew i think it's a very irish catholic thing (laughs) okay (laughs) we don't talk about it (laughs) we don't talk about it you know we never lie there was never a lie there was just never talking about it but you know that's done now yeah my husband he's my husband i don't what what go ahead do you feel a change in yourself now Um, that they know yes i mean i am less anxious uh it's been like and it, it, yeah, yes, very much so. I would say mm-hmm. I'm, uh, that is a big, my entire life, a very big, um, thing that made me very, very nervous all the mm-hmm. time because I never acted like someone else around them. And I never acted like someone else when they were around, like when they would come to plays that I did in college and whatnot. Um, and I think there was a miscommunication. I think I was trying not to tell them to protect my mom because, um, mm-hmm. she lives next door to them, all of this stuff. Uh, and I think that I, it just was, it went on way too long. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was truly the most freeing. I would say it was the most freeing thing that's happened in my life. And it was just like, there wasn't even a big thing. It was just Brian came with me and now he comes with me all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We went, we don't, we don't really talk about it, but it happens. It seems very like, it doesn't seem, I don't feel like a courageous person in any way. I've never, um, you know, I, I just because it was not something I talked about with them for a long time, but it feels really nice to not have secrets are fucking killer. They just right. kill you're only kill. as sick as your secrets. You're only yeah. as sick as your secrets. Yeah. And so now did Brian, though, was there ever any pressure on his end? You know, and was he really like, tell him when you want to tell him? Or was he like, I demand to be known? No, he <laughs> was he was well, because my I'm so close with my mom and my aunts and everybody and they love him so much and we would always spend time with them and whatnot. Um, it was kind of like, uh, if they don't want to know, they, they don't need to know me. Okay. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was very, uh, very patient and understanding throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's the reality of an Irish Catholic family? I know the, like the TV version of an Irish Catholic family. And I right. guess my friend Kirk from, from, uh, high school, I guess, but that was like more, I think the suburbs, like what like uh level everything level all the differences between like ethnic groups and yeah. maybe pennsylvania suburbs particularly okay, <laughs> pennsylvania suburbs let's just say that so right. like i don't know besides the fact that like i went to religious school and he went to ccd i don't know much there what's was, ccd uh that was like, like catholic uh, like, children's day it was like, like yeah catholic like school on sunday on school sort of like oh, okay. um yeah like sunday school for public oh, okay. school kids Okay. Yeah, but they did on like Wednesdays, and I went to Hebrew school on Tuesdays. Okay, so what's the what's the reality for you, or what was like your specific reality? Uh, I went to Catholic school from first through twelfth grade uh, until I could say no, I don't want to. I went to church every Sunday. 
I would go to church at school like probably twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, I was a uh, Christian of the year, which was a thing that my grade school had from first through seventh grade. Whoa. Sorry, hold on, hold on. That's, sorry, I don't mean to <laughs> keep interrupting. Amazing. Christian of the year. You just yeah. said Christian, right? Not just Catholic. Yeah. Christian. Yeah, and like what Christ did you like. Do? What did you do to earn that title? Real, How old were you? Uh, I was from first through seventh grade. And then seventh grade, oh. I lost it because I was like, you know dabbling by then and they could smell it on me um, but, <laughs> so you held this for years running years running. yeah yeah i was the boy and there was a girl one and yeah. um and it was like your class and the teacher voted and the school was like it's the school that my uh family went to like and there was a nun who over the loudspeaker every day would say think like jesus speak like jesus and ride the bus like jesus <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it was it was very like you know it was about being kind and whatnot i never lobbied for it they gave me the little pin that looked like an angel i had seven of them um it was it maybe it was till sixth grade i I think i lost my crown in seventh grade um (laughs) but yeah it was this weird weird thing that the school um school created and that was it a lot to live up to so then I got oh, to high yeah. school and I was like, I want to be a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Well, yeah, I was like, what, did you, what was your like, not rebellion, but as you said, you're dabbling. What, what was that where you were like, I had a cigarette or like I went out to parties? Oh, I smoked cigarettes uh, so early. Like, well, I smoked mm-hmm. cigarettes for so long. That's actually why I started real therapy, not couples therapy, oh. uh, was because I stopped smoking. And then I was like, why am I so angry? Uh, <laughs> but I, I, sm- I probably smoked from like, se- I would say eighth grade until I was 38. Whoa. Um, a lot. And hi, cat. Your cat. <laughs> cat. Sorry, now there's a butt in my face. Okay. Focus. Focus. Um, so yeah, I would like, you know, I was, but my mom taught at my high school. So it wasn't like I could be too rebellious. Um, yeah. cause she would find out everything, but I would like, you know, cut my hair wrong, like wrong, quote unquote. Yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't supposed to have a certain kind of haircut at school, but I would, I would do that and I would start listening to punk music. And, you know, I went from very quickly from like, um, you know, Kathy Dennis to like Bikini Kill and Sleater Kenny and all of that stuff. Um, and, I would just listen to music and go to parties and, you know, smoke pot and, and experiment with boys and do that kind of stuff. And that was all mm-hmm. high school, but it was all like shrouded in shame, of course. Cause of course. that's what, that's what, yeah. if you want to know what Catholic, like Irish Catholic life is like, it's shame and nobody's telling you to have it. You just have it and you know, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you're always going to have it until you learn not to have it. So that's what I'm, I'm doing. So I'm an honorary Irish Catholic. I was going to yes. say, yeah, sounds pretty also Jewish, I guess. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm also going to say this. As far as I know, nothing in the Bible says you can't smoke. Nothing That's in the Bible true. says you can't smoke. Yeah, but That's I would true. never do it again. I'm so mad I ever even did it because I was I thought it was so gross. My my mom does did. And um, I was at a party once and I smoked one and everybody was like, whoa, we're so lightheaded. And then I went home and stole one of my mother's and I was like, this is so gross. And I watched myself smoke it in the mirror and then I just fucking uh, did it forever. Like I just yeah. kept doing it and I loved it so much, but like, I just can't imagine my life if I didn't do it. It would have been, I would be probably, I wouldn't, there'd be a lot less worry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> about all that, a lot less hypochondria and stuff, but that's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so, I can't, I've never, I mean, I guess I, 
I've met you probably before your smoking time, but I've never seen you smoke. And because you don't, quote, sound like a smoker, meaning you don't have like a raspy voice, you know, or you don't like cough and stuff. Hey. Right? I, I'm like, for 25 <laughs> years, you smoked 25 years. Yeah. You're doing okay. You're doing okay <laughs> health-wise, okay? We got to just keep on it. Yeah, Get your x-rays God. every year. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hey, Dexter, what a new knife. <laughs> Uh, okay, wait, shame. Can I, if we, if uh, I can probe this a second, just because it, uh, the something uh, rose in my chest when you mentioned that. Uh, yeah. H- how did you perhaps get beyond shame? Oh, I'm still getting beyond it all the time. But it's like, um, I, I, I guess I would say realize. Well, there's also like I feel like with shame comes this sense that you're the center of the world, like. That uh, anytime I do something that it's going to be uh, bring shame to myself and my family and the rest of my community. And what am I talking about? No one cares. <laughs> like just sort of sort of the uh, getting the understanding that like no one cares. Get mm-hmm. over get like what you do. And I, I, I find that I am the only one that is putting these uh, feelings on myself. So mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, I think that it was really helpful realizing like, oh, I'm not the center of the universe. And and uh, no one cares what I do, and I shouldn't care what other people do. And I don't judge people for things that I would find shameful for myself, or or I was I've been told I would should find shameful for myself. So um, that's been really helpful. Hmm. What not about judging uh, others? Interesting. Not, <laughs> not, not judging others and not judging yourself. Huh. Oh, it's really tough. It's yeah, really tough. That's a tough one. Super tough. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I judge myself all the time. But I also feel like, here's the thing, though, and this is something I've always struggled with. The work of an actor, among many things, is this self, it requires a self-consciousness, right? We're told early on what our type is and who we are. Like we're kind of prescribed uh, like a, this is what you're allowed to play. This is what you convey to other people. And you have to know that, right? You need to know what you're presenting and know how people see you in order to do the work. And I don't know how you do that properly while also treating yourself with loving kindness, you know, or not being judgmental or all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so hard and it, uh, it, I like fluctuate with it. Like I, I'll go from being wildly confident to in, extremely insecure within like 10 minutes. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go, I'll go from feeling like, and I, I truly do feel like sometimes I can honestly say I am a fucking excellent actor. And then other times I'm like, you can't do it. You don't, you're not right. Major imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's just like, I, I'm, I don't know how to reconcile that stuff either. Um, but what I, what helps me is like, okay, people see me this way. For a long time, people saw me as a certain type of character, like sort of a, a mean, you know, like a shopkeep, like a nasty little shopkeep. Um, <laughs> which, uh, which, uh, you know, a nasty little shopkeep. <laughs> yeah. Here's your receipt. Um, <laughs> uh, which I love playing nasty little shopkeeps, but I, it's like, I couldn't, I personally couldn't find myself sustaining a lifetime of doing that. Um, so then it was like making choices as far as whether it be writing or, or, or what I chose to audition for eventually, um, sort of pushing it in a different direction, sort of showing the vulnerability. And then once you see, oh, I can be seen both of those ways, maybe I can mix both of them together. 
uh, don't always get the chance to do that, but it's always more interesting to me when a character has both of those sides of how people see me and then like a little bit of something else. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's constant judgment of oneself all the time. Like even like with this, you know, where we are now that we're having to tape and watch ourselves all day, every day. Um, it's, uh, it's tricky, but it's just, I, I, I try to, I try to not, take any of it too too seriously which mm-hmm. again comes and goes it's the same as right, like I, right. you know yeah <laughs> do you guys see yourself from a third person point of view when you're out in public absolutely I'm, yeah i'm constantly <laughs> seeing myself from other people's points of view oh and yeah then adjusting my behavior based on that right like if i think like sometimes i'll be like uh you know when we lived in new york and uh I'll be on the subway and I'll just be like lost in thought and I'll realize that like someone thinks that I'm looking and it just happens that someone's in my eyesight because I'm <laughs> lost in thought. And yeah. so I performatively act like I'm thinking <laughs> like when you're lost oh, in yeah. thought, you don't move your body. You're just lost in thought so that they know that I'm thinking and not looking at them. Right. So you don't oh, want them yeah. to think you're staring. Right. That makes sense to me. I I used to do this thing. (laughs) I used to do this thing and I didn't even realize I did it until a friend asked me about it. Uh, Because I'd be so uncomfortable, like leaving a bathroom at a bar or walking through a bar. If I had left a bathroom from a bar, I would always wipe my nose as though I had just done cocaine, which I've never done cocaine in my entire (laughs) life. But it became like a thing that I would do to just be like, you don't have to look up and you look like someone who just did something. Um, (laughs) I mean, like literally, uh I don't know. I don't I've never done it. So but I think I was wiping my nose correctly. And I always thought it, (laughs) it would make me look more interesting that's psychotic mm, wow. I, yeah. I don't i don't do it anymore unless i'm really uncomfortable coming out of the bathroom <laughs> i didn't just urinate on a fly i was doing coke <laughs> it's it's funny because i was as a kid more so i was always afraid to get up what you're saying cross a room like do anything by myself like i remember little stuff like being at a restaurant where there was a buffet and i was like afraid to walk up there by myself oh yeah i was like everyone will be looking at me get food or something it's like literally no one cares but i was like and i'd be like i tell my mom i'm like come with me or whatever she's like no get up and go like she was a little mean about it but she was just but i was so afraid and yeah. i remember that feeling very viscerally being a kid and just being like i don't want anyone to look at me i remember being afraid to leave rooms as a teenager because i was like they're all gonna talk about me when i leave oh yeah you know like you I remember, had that, like they're all gonna laugh at you in your head. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But I was—I remember like holding my pee, like having to pee so bad for hours because I was afraid to get up and go to the bathroom because I didn't want to give them that opening. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the evening, just like dad, like I, and it's just like, good God, good God. Yeah, it's what weird. Yeah, it is. It's so hard to be a human. <laughs> it's so hard to be a human. <laughs> yeah, it's real weird. Um, yeah, I wonder sometimes like that idea of what I was just talking before about like the idea of, uh, getting over shame is realizing you're not the center of the universe and no one cares. And like Mm -hmm. how you just said, no one cares if you go to the buffet, but like, I don't know. You had a single mom, right? Naomi? Mm -hmm. I did too. And I had all my aunts and my grandma around me and I was showered with the like center of their universe in such a way that like. I, I wonder if all that love sort of also brought with it like this sort of thing where I'm like, wow, everybody's worried about what I do, <laughs> you know, in the yes. world, you know. 
totally because I also mm-hmm. think there's something too because I know my mom you know my mom always said to me and felt like your behavior the way you look the way you do you're a reflection on me as Ooh. a parent as a person you know and then especially once I got to private school around rich white people it was also like now I'm a reflection on her and a reflection on black people and a reflection on the scholarship program right all of that stuff that is like a lot to carry when you're 11 you know and I think yeah. that that definitely I've never thought about that but I'm like oh yeah that does contribute to that feeling of like everything I do matters to right. everyone else even though really yes it was this one person who made you the center of their world and then you still deal with that as a grown-ass adult trying to make your way <laughs> right you and your mom are close because you like oh the yeah you see each other. oh I love yeah. her I love I mean I absolutely love my family like um and it, it, what what's nice about what I was talking about earlier is that now, like my family, Brian is part of my family, my whole family. So mm-hmm. we go to family functions together and it's all sort of what I, what I always wanted and didn't know I always wanted. You know what I mean? But like mm-hmm. my family, I could complain about them forever. Like, Oh, <laughs> I, I got too much attention. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, they loved me too much or whatever. Um, but they were, uh, like wildly supportive, took such good care of me. Like mm-hmm. I have like the greatest respect for. Uh, all mothers because of what, how my mom, you know, especially single mothers. All how, mothers. All, <laughs> all mothers. Maybe not all mothers. <laughs> but, you know, I, um, yeah, so yeah, I am close with her for sure because we're so, we're pretty close in age. I mean, she's, oh. she's 43. No, just kidding. She's, uh, <laughs> um, uh, no, but she was a teenager when she had me. So, oh, like, seen, okay. And my aunts were all younger than her. So it's like I almost have no siblings, but a bunch of siblings. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause I was wondering when you, you know, cause you said your grandparents live nearby. Yeah. Near her. So I was like, now, okay. Yeah. So yeah, cause your mom would yeah, be like 60 ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, I like that y'all are close though. And your friends, but also, because it, 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 it can be a double-edged sword sometimes, you know, when your parent is young, mm-hmm. it can, depending on how they mature, right, over the, the right. time. Gilmore Girl Syndrome. Yes, you can have Gilmore yeah. Girl Syndrome. Is she yeah. a Lorelei? <laughs> yeah, are you the Rory to her Lorelei? <laughs> I don't know if I'm the Rory. I, am not, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if are I'm you the Rory. Lane? The Lane to her Lorelei? <laughs> Which one's Lane? I, I, didn't, uh, I haven't seen a lot of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> that's okay. That's uh, what it is. Uh, Rory's best friend, Keiko Agena. Oh, maybe I'm Laney. <laughs> <laughs> okay, feeling good, knowing where you fit in the Gilmore Girls cinematic universe. Um, I think that now that's a really good time. We can start like answering people's relationship questions because I think yes. we've got your background. We know where you're at. Okay. And now that will inform... We yeah. the listening. We you know, know what I mean. All three of us suffer from shame from different origins. Correct. It just seems like shame. Is, uh, who doesn't have shame? I want to know. There are people out here who just move through the world. There are people who eat How? without like saying that they feel quote guilty. Like there are people who are truly free, and it is baffling to me. They I'm always like, uh-huh. I mean, and this is different though because what you're saying. Because I always say I'm like, did someone tell you were a tell you you were enough at a formative age that's what i think when i see someone free i'm like oh somebody told you you were enough right it sounds like they told you you were enough but then you had the catholicism kind of but undercutting too that. Mu- or too yeah. much you got to get it the sweet spot <laughs> if, if you hear you too much you become the every the center the shame you become this like gravitational well and the shame <laughs> the shame right. gets sucked in yeah yeah, you don't want to be called too much. One memory from Catholic school is that, and I, I we're, you guys are younger than me, right? 
but I feel yeah. like the, the no, worst. Not really, but yes. I'm the same age. And I also went to Catholic school f- till fifth grade. So, so, like, at, like, the formative age of, like, six, right around when I lost my Christian of the Year title, I remember <laughs> um, being made fun of for the way I walked because I walked with my head up, like, my head up. And mm-hmm. um, this kid in, a couple years older said I walked like I was conceited. And it and conceded at that time was like the worst thing you could say anybody was, and I feel like it totally was one of those things that like buried itself in my head my whole life. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so you hung your head down, pretended you were doing coke. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah. Oh, what those little things that like get in your head? Like I remember my friend Paul made fun of the way that I drank a twenty ounce of coke. <laughs> Instead of like tipping my hand, I tipped my like body or not my body, like my head to Uh drink the 20 ounce of Coke. And he made fun of that. And then it stuck in my head and I changed the way (laughs) that I drank. Who who gives a shit one way or the other how you drink a 20 ounce of Coke? But it gets fucking stuck in your brain. Some neuron won't shut. It's it's that neuron in your brain that won't shut the fuck up about it then. Right. 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 Totally. I had so many things. I would not wear sleeveless anything because I had stretch marks on my arm. Now you see me out with these arms thick as two tree trunks and I'm letting them out. But I literally like, and when I was a kid and it was like, you know, again, you go back and you're just like, if I knew what I knew now, your girl would have been out here in two-piece bathing suits with a tank top and running free. Oh, yeah. You know? And, like, back then, I was like, don't just look at me. tassels on your nipples. Honey, I would have yeah. been a burlesque dancer. <laughs> a sixth-grade burlesque dancer. That's how you lose Christian of the Year. Totally. Because you're doing burlesque. And I just... Naomi, your feather... How, why do you have so many feathers everywhere? Hi, I'm Naomi's mom. Yeah, I love that voice. It's a lot. And also, and yeah. also Michael, I would, uh, 25 years I would, of smoking. I would button my top button because I thought it was like vulgar for people to look at my neck. Like I thought it was like too much because I was always in a uniform for like 12 years. It's all I wore. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, I'm so happy to move past that because this neck has to breathe. I I wore – so I left – Catholic school, like I finished in fifth grade, then I went to Dalton, you know, private school. But I remember being really excited that I would get to wear my own clothes. And so technically I had a lot of years to learn fashion. But I'm really convinced that like starting out with uniforms, I was just like, yeah, I never want to have to try or think this through. Like right. I loved it. And I and I, you know, once I once I did have to pick clothes, it became the bane of my existence. Like what oh. do I wear? What fits? What matches? And then if you're not a size extra small or a zero, the girls make fun of you. And I was just like, God damn it, put me back in that plaid jumper, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. It would be such a pleasure to just know every morning what what was going on. Yes. This, yes. This. And everyone else fit right in. So yeah. you really do want a dystopian future where we're all wearing the same jumpsuit. Yeah. Does it have to come with a dystopian part? But I would certainly hey, love... You can't have one without the other, Dan. But you don't get everyone wearing matching jumpsuits without dystopia. Sorry, I don't make them rules. Isaac Asimov does. What if it was a zootopia? If instead of a dystopia, we lived in a zootopia, and then... You mean Beastars? Our yeah. favorite anime on Netflix? Yes. Uh... Why don't we take a quick break? And <laughs> yeah, we'll be right it. back with your advice questions and my Casero Christ. Hold up. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, y'all. Wanted to pop in real quick and let you know that if you like what you hear and you want to support the show, there are a couple different ways. Most of our support comes from our wonderful Patreon community. For $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes of just us mostly spilling the tea mm-hmm. and occasionally searching for crazy bread in Los Angeles, plus lots of other bonus content. We love our page pals, and we couldn't do this without you. And if you want to join, go to patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. We also have merch, which includes Gotta Miss a Bitch and Jubu t-shirts, yeah. which you can find in the link tree in our Twitter or Insta bios. And for absolutely $0, you can rate and review the show on Apple five stars please it'll only take 10 seconds and it helps us tremendously okay that's it we love you deeply now back to the show and And we're back with mcc now mcc people honey they come to us they come to us at different phases in their journeys okay and they're yeah. sending us DMs. They're sending us emails. They're sending us voicemails. And we just have to have an open heart. I thought we'd start off with a little bit of a softball. This comes to us anonymous from Instagram by direct message. First off, all the love. Question. <laughs> Should I try to date a coworker? Bad idea or best idea? <laughs> Thank you for making the pandemic manageable. I had a big breakup at the beginning of it. And I happened to find your pod the same week. So much love, Naomi. So much love, Andy. <laughs> that's the only that's the thing i liked this as a softball because there's no information should i try to date a coworker? bad idea or best idea ever date a coworker, michael no there's something about like working with people that makes them disgusting to me <laughs> no no but i just uh like those two don't uh line up in my head usually like i don't um i don't know I'm trying to think if I've ever dated a coworker. I think in high school I had crushes on all of these straight guys that I worked at a coffee shop with mm-hmm. and then realized that's not going anywhere. If it is, it's not going anywhere good. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I think it's doable. I, I think it's doable, but it wouldn't be my first choice. But, uh, what do you think? I don't know. Okay. Here are my things though. I think 
In general, no. However, it could be worth trying if the person and you are the same level at work. One of you can't be the other person's senior because that can get just dicey and weird. But then also, how close are you guys in physical proximity? Like if you're on the third floor and they're on the fourth, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if y'all are like two cubicles over, you're seeing them at all the you're meetings. You're assuming it's an office. What if it's well, an I'm Amazon th- warehouse? What like, if it's or, Arby's? But exactly. I was like, oh, I wasn't done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, and if it's not an office setting. What if it's the White House? And it's, well, that's still an office setting. But if it's an if it's not an office setting, and it is like, as you you know, as you just said, like, like a coffee shop or something, and you guys, like, again, are in, like, in close proximity around each other all the time, nope. Not unless you are ready to leave that job on a moment's right. notice. No, you I say, if, you, if you're both, if one of you is uh, the, uh, the fry cook at Arby's and one of you is at the counter... I say do it. I say what? burn it down. Because burn it down. Who gives a shit? You'll go to Burger King if you... But that's my point, though. You saying it like everybody can just go from job to job. Sometimes once you find a spot that'll take your crazy ass, you mm. got to stay there. And that will pay yeah. a $15 minimum wage. A $15 minimum wage. At least. But I actually... I, I wonder, like, I don't... Uh, I know it works, obviously. Uh, but, like, I don't even want to... I would never really wanted to date anybody in the same field as me who, who did the same thing because yeah. i just think it's too uh it's too complicated that's for, what i said Michael. you know <laughs> you know what honey sometimes your heart wants what it wants love is love love is love <laughs> um but like yeah i feel like um i've worked so well with brian because we do not have the same bit we're not in the same business but there's an appreciation of what each other does um but then I have great friends who are in, do the same exact thing and they're wonderful couples that have been together forever. So like there's no hard and fast rules, but I would say maybe don't date the coworker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did you guys meet? Not being in the same biz. Friendster. What? <laughs> the year wow. was ni- 1933. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, we, I, uh, I went on a date with someone that was friends with him. So he was sort of connected to me on Friendster, which for young people is. Right. I remember Friendster. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before MySpace and before Facebook. Um, <laughs> and I wrote him a message. And then I heard that he was from the other friend that he was going to be at a bar that night, uh, right around the, the corner from the box office that I would always, that I worked at. So I went to the bar. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, I wrote you a Friendster message. And he said, hey, I didn't write you back. And then it sort of went from there. Yeah. Wait, wait, sorry. What was the third line in this in this tableau? Uh, hey, I wrote you a Friendster message. Hey, I didn't write you back. What was and your then response? I was like, I was like, that's okay. We can talk now. And then um, I was I was surprisingly bold. And yeah. then yeah. just like he was just getting out of a relationship. We had uh, – hung out that night and then I went back to the bar the week after. I really had to do a lot of work to make it work. You and went, then okay. He secretly came to see me perform to make sure that that wasn't going to be a nightmare, which <laughs> I, I always, Very smart. Uh, I'm really glad he did. And, uh, and then it just kind of kept going. But yeah, we met online and then met in a bar that night because I was like, I'm going to go say hello to him. Yeah. <laughs> but what was it about his, what was it about his friendster profile that even made you feel like, like the idea to like, leave the house and do anything is huge to me. So yeah. like you, and you didn't know him yet. So was it literally, you were just like, he's cute. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, he had like really nice blue eyes and he was on a red futon and he was looking <laughs> at the camera and I, and my message was you have really nice eyes and a really red futon. And that's all <laughs> I said. Uh, and then 
because I mean the bar that he was going to be at that night is Nowhere Bar, which is like right oh, yeah. around was right around the corner from the box office that I worked at. So it was like very easy. It wasn't like I was uh-huh. like getting on a train going thirty uh-huh. minutes, forty minutes. So it was easy to do okay. the stock <laughs> to do the stocking. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good match. You could see the blue eyes in my mind popping against the red futon. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, it's sort of the way Sharon pops against red. Sharon, yeah, dog. she's right. She's right behind me. <laughs> I know. I see her. Such an angel. So I think what we're saying is if you feel like burning it down, if you f- if you don't work in proximity to this person, go ahead. It's a bad idea in any – and if you're the same level, if there's no yeah. power dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Otherwise, yeah. don't do it. Ex- absolutely. Yeah. That's a good, absolutely. That's a, I think that's uh, – that's, uh, for uh, having no other information, I think that's actually pretty I good. I think yeah. we've, we've given pretty good advice. <laughs> Yeah, I thought this was going to be like a real softball. We'd just go around round robin and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> no, we're thoughtful people. Okay. Yes. Uh, why don't we do a voicemail now? Hey, guys. My name is LB. Uh, I just had a quick question. Well, it's not quick, but <laughs> so mm, let's talk about it. So my ex and I, my ex cheated on me. We were together for two years. Um, I was working, I was working out in theater, you know, living my dream. And I guess I might've been emasculating him in some sense of the word. Um, that was his explanation. Uh, when he, when I confronted him about cheating on me, cause I found out about it. Uh, I know exactly who he cheated on me with. Um, but he huh. does not know that. Um, but his explanation to me was, was that, uh, I was moving too forward in in my life, and it was emasculating him and how he felt. And so, in turn, he felt that he had to cheat on me. Well, now we're about a year and a half, two years into being apart from each other, and we're starting to reconnect. Um, And he wants to, you know, start having relations again. Now, my thing with that is I still love this dude even though he cheated on me and I've gone to therapy and I've done a lot of stuff and I still realized that he was the one person who actually so far in my life has figured me out as a person he's understood me but it's just a thing of now you've already you've already planted the seeds of distrust and I've already found out so now when if you want to mess around again, is it just us? Are you trying to get back in a relationship, or are you actually just trying to mess around? Because I have other things I have to do. I have stuff going on you don't know about, sweetie. <laughs> so, all right, guys, thank you so much. That's my question. Please help me out if you have any suggestions. All right, I love your podcast. Bye. Oh okay. my gosh! Very visceral reactions from both Michael and Naomi. Real, real quick, and then Michael, I, I will let you talk. Yeah, okay. Please. When you say like, and here's the thing that I have also had to learn too. When you're like, well, this is someone who figured me out, who got me, so that's why you still are kind of attached and you value this person, baby. LB, you ain't a damn Rubik's cube, okay? It ain't that deep, okay? Just because it took you time to make this connection does not mean that you will not make it with other people. It does not mean that other people will not quote-unquote get you so that for me is a moot point that is a moot point this person getting you and that being partially why you still have these feelings okay okay i can now stop talking michael tell me your thoughts i uh lb sounds really lovely um i am really i I, what disturbs me in the story is the the way the 
conflict arose or the way the conflict was explained by yep, his yep. ex-partner because I Absolutely. I think that's uh, a real cop-out to be like, I feel emasculated so I had to cheat. I think yeah. that's not... Oh. Like, there are other ways of talking. There are health, healthier and more <laughs> appropriate ways to talk about, like, your career's moving faster than mine. I'm unhappy with where I am. Can we talk about this? It doesn't make sense to me that that would... the the how the cheating and that go hand in hand. The, the, the person in my opinion should have had a, an adult conversation and talked about what was bothering them. And then, you know, if it, it, it just, it doesn't make sense to me that they no. would, um, it seems cruel to put it all on him Absolutely. and say it's because of his success, because, yep. um, that makes, I would imagine that would make LB feel bad about his success. And that's a shitty thing to do to someone. Um, it's so fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Very, like, plainly say it's fucked up to do. And I don't know that, I don't know, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of history there, so I don't know that, like, just hooking up again could be just hooking up. And that's something that you'd have to think about. Like, is it even possible to keep the emotions out of it? Even if you say it's just going to be fooling around and hooking up, is it possible to keep the emotions out of it? After some heartbreak and some betrayal, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of trust stuff, I hope that they can recover but it, it it sounds messy to me yeah did lb say he's still in love with his ex i don't I can't remember. remember it was there's something well, he says, yeah he's he still loves this person because yeah, because can't... he understood him so much but also though lb's not saying i want to just hook up lb's like does he want a relationship right or that's does... the question right and it's like well lb it sounds like you might want a relationship yeah. and i don't think this is the person who can give you what you want because of so many things you have them being this person is insecure this person doesn't know how to handle your success. This yeah. person doesn't know how to use their words when they're feeling these kinds of things. And this person showed you that when they don't feel comfortable, they will sooner cheat on you than deal with the issue at hand. Yeah, you can't be with someone who's only happy when you're not at your best. <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. That's just like the exact opposite of what it should be. Like uh, they need to be like building LB up because LB is doing well. Even if it's, and if LB's in the theater, if it's for a moment and he's doing really well, uh, that should be a time where it's all joy and you're not feeling like you're emasculating, like the emasculating thing really bothered me a lot. Yeah. I mean, cause it's like you're his partner. You said they were together two years. Build him up. And, and if you're not doing great, figure out how you can handle your partner's success and, and deal with your lack of success at one point, which is not always forever. It, that it just feels like a real mind game there and a real yeah. excuse. It was like, and if you wanted to hook up with someone and you wanted to open it up, have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't make it about your partner's success. It's, it's really messed yeah. up. That's yeah. the thing that like, that's the nugget that I keep going back to where it's just like, in le- first of all, I think the whole thing's a bad idea. Don't hook up with him. Period. Yeah. But, like, the only scenario I could see where you possibly get back into a relationship, if that's what your ex even wants, is if your ex has dealt with that shit. Because, like, that's fucked up. I just, it's, like, I mean, Naomi, you are much more successful than I am. My masculinity is not based on that. In fact, my masculinity is not based on my, what I do in this business. It's based on how much weight I can lift. 
<laughs> yeah, brah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if that like that's a deep that's a deep problem that your ex has not has possibly not dealt with. Yeah, and it goes to like the core of that person. Yeah, yeah, and like if they can't figure that out, that I mean, that's like a years long journey, probably. Yeah. Well. I'm also going to say this, you know, and and I'm sure, you know, maybe we'll get um, feedback from people who have been the cheater. Um, But I I feel like with something like that, when someone shows you who they are, believe them, listen to them. LB, he's shown you who he is, or at least who he is at this point in his life. And he is someone who's obviously feeling insecure and struggling. And, you know, you took some time apart. Obviously, you, I mean, you broke up and you took up and now you're like kind of friends again. But I would like to know what did he do in that time y'all weren't talking that would imply he's even ready for this? Did he go to therapy? Did he, you know, make amends to you in any substantial way? Was there anything like that? Or was it just, you know, the feelings subside and then it's just like you send a text one day? Yeah. Or, right. yeah. or did he just just text W-Y-D? question mark <laughs> yeah yeah well because it sounds like lb did the work right or is doing did the work it was doing work on himself like he said he went to therapy he's figured mm-hmm. out a lot of stuff uh gotta be a two-way street there if there's growth you know different i don't know i just think it's a bad i don't idea. think it's good at all i think this person is trash hey, i don't even think you need to be friends mm-hmm. because they do not respect you there may be growth but as long as it ain't metastasized Wow. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Workshop. Was, work, workshopping that one. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, trying, I was trying for an Oprah moment or something. I, like, I could tell by your finger you were I giving did us a, fin- a finger I wave. Did a finger wag and like a, a little head bob. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, look, I, you gotta try. You gotta stretch. You gotta. You, try. Got, you gotta like reach. You gotta try. Sometimes I'm so happy. Fail. I'm so happy. I was here for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, do you have time for one more? Yeah, I have totally. All right. Well, then we'll do 10 more. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here we go. Hi. Um, I'm going to try again. This is my second time. I'm going to try to be more succinct. Um, so your podcast is such a source of comfort in these times, and you're both so bright and beautiful. So thank you for lifting my spirits every week. Um, I'm calling um, about uh, – so I've been married for – over 10 years to a lovely man. We've got kids, a dog, everything like that. And um, we used to have a good sex life, and now we do not. We have had sex maybe four times in the past 10 years. Um, uh, he, We've talked about it a lot, and we've talked about it in therapy a bit. Um, also, he says it's not that he is no longer attracted to me. He also liked the physical so he can get it up so it's not that either um it's hard to get to what's going on um so i was i i know naomi you've said that you've referred to yourself as sex negative and so i guess my two questions main questions are what is is sex negative and also how do you know Andy and you both kind of negotiate that? And I'm sorry if this is too private, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm curious and I'm wondering if perhaps that is what my husband is, and if he's, uh, you know, is it permanent? Um, and all of this makes my identity, uh, sexual identity, kind of confusing too because I, I'm feeling like maybe I'm polyamorous, but. It's hard to know, given that I've been 
in like a forced celibate marriage for a long time now. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, and I want to be able to support him in whatever he is and me also. And, um, so that is my question. What is sex negative? What do you guys think is, you know, what, can you shine some light on this at all? Um, and that's it. I'm not going to give my name because I don't want anyone who I know to connect the dots and, uh, you know, for my husband's privacy. So I'm just going to go by blue as in sad and also, so uh, I hope you both have a great day and I look forward to hearing your, your input on this. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. She sounds, I mean, first of all, this sounds like the loveliest person I've ever heard. That's so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Naomi, why don't we, cause like I do. <laughs> so Naomi has, has made a, a, a joke in the past about being, I say I'm sex neutral. She says she's sex negative. This is in relation to, uh, the, uh, the, let's say millennial kind of like sex positiveness where they're out talking about sex all the time being like, I'm horny on the main. <laughs> And I think I I, <laughs> I think Naomi, if you want to just explain, because I think some some listeners do get the uh, confused sex negative and like asexual. You are yeah, not yeah, a- yeah, you are yeah, not yeah. asexual. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so funny because you and I talk a lot about how we don't talk about sex on the podcast, like our sex lives. You know, it's like the one thing we That's, try to yes, keep. That is the boundary we have kind of drawn. We don't yeah. we, like let us like have some privacy in our <laughs> in our life um, that we don't share with the public, but. Um, here's what I will say for me, like sex negative for me is like, here's the thing. I will say this though. I am affectionate. Like I like to be close. I like to cuddle. I like to kiss. So it's not that I don't like, I I like physical affection, but I think for instance, like I'm very rarely horny, you know, (laughs) like as a phrase. And if I am, I'd almost rather just take care of it myself because sex is like work. And so it's like, there's some work. By the way, what a t-shirt. Very rarely horny. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> but uh, sex is like work. And so there's times, and I think also I struggle with um, focusing. My brain really will start thinking about everything else. And so it's really hard to kind of like, I don't know about y'all, but I was like, when you're in sex mode, it's like a different vibe. Sure. And like staying in sex mode, like I'm, I'm always like, I'm like, what are we doing? This is so ridiculous. Look, not to like, bring up the King Creep, but it's like that, like in Annie Hall, where he talks to the like dumb couple. Uh huh. That like, you know, I don't that, know Annie Hall well enough, but you could go ahead. <laughs> but they have sex. He's like, how do you do it? They're like, well, we're dumb and we don't like our brains are empty, and that's how, <laughs> we, that's how we're able to focus. Okay, yes. So then, yes. So it's similar, like that kind of thing. So that's a thing I, like, that's just like an issue. That's like a thing I have. Um, and so, for instance, like, that's not great necessarily. Like, there's there are times where I'm like, huh, how can I kind of get away from it? I think the point is that, like, yeah, sex for me is not the primary way I show love and affection or receive love and affection. Mm-hmm. It's not through the actual, like, sexual act. Um, so that's, so that's, I think that's what it is to me, but that doesn't mean like, I don't like doing stuff. Right. But without, <laughs> without getting, I don't yeah. really want to talk about it, right, but, but like, like I think we have a pretty healthy sex life. It's just that yeah. like, 
Uh, it's been more than four <laughs> times in ten years, right? Most I think that, but I think that's the thing. That's yeah. the, that's why I like. I don't. Like, yeah, I yeah, keep yeah, saying yeah. I don't want to talk about, it, but I'm like, I have yeah. to, we have to say something to like, differentiate <laughs> yeah. what actual being sex negative. It, it's no. I think it's as I said it. It's like you know, the sex act isn't <clears throat> the main thing for me. Mm-hmm. It's not. So, but it's, it ha- but it happens. Yeah, it happens. It's just like <laughs> yeah. not you know, like my I don't know. Um. So, so that's what I, that's what I mean about that. Um, and also I'll say this, I mean, you said you guys talked about it in therapy, you talked about it in couples therapy, but I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, he said it's not, not being attracted to you. It's not a biological, like it's not a biological issue. Is that what you would call it when she talked about like erections? But, um, it ain't a dick thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Medically put it ain't a dick thing. Um, (laughs) But there's something going on. There's yeah. something else happening that he's not telling you. Yeah. And, you know, the questions I would have that you don't have to tell me, the question of like, does is he like watching his pornographies and masturbating? See, I'm sex negative. I don't even like to say these words. <laughs> but it's like, you know, is there a sense that there is sexuality? Like, you know what I mean? Like, sexy time taking like, place. Like, he's spending his orgone in <laughs> another, in, yeah. in a, in another <laughs> casino. Dude. Well, and also, Michael, you've been in your relationship for 17 years. That is a long time. That's longer than this person is saying. I mean, married for 10, so maybe longer. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, I would imagine there have been times where it ebbs and flows. Yeah, I would say, uh, I mean, sex is pretty important to me. And but there's so much around it. So it's, there have been times where it is not as frequent as as it has been in other times. And mm-hmm. Everything else is kind of full. It's also like, you know, when you're, I've been down at times, he's been down at times and you do not feel sexy when you're like anxious or depressed. And, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes those periods are longer than others, but I would say for both of us, it's, it's something that's important to our relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounds maybe like it, it, it's important to blue maybe, or, yeah. or, or unclear if it's important anymore because it's been so long. I, I, I feel like there's like, uh, I don't know how to like, if there was like a, a couple months where we never had sex, say, I don't think that's ever ha- happened actually. But if there was, it wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be like we're I'm it's over. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the most important thing in our relationship, but it is something that is important. So if it was lacking, I would, we'd have to talk about it, which right. is good that I feel like it's good that they're talking about it, but I wonder it's hard to, it's hard to know that it's not her. Of course, you I know, mean, like an answer. I mean, the the unknown again is yeah. just horrible. <laughs> but like, I, I guess, I guess maybe is there a conversation they can have? Is like, is there something that you're into that you're afraid to tell me about? That you like? Mm-hmm. Are you? Is do you have something like a kink or something that? causes you shame that like you know like you like do you like being slapped around do you like this do you like that like um, balloons like are you into balloons right <laughs> or whatever um like is there something that i can give you that can help us move forward or is there something that we need to figure out like i don't know i just don't know there's got to be a conversation to try to get to the bottom of it without you know shaming her partner right just but- Right. I would say this, though. I'm sorry to interrupt you because part of me is like, I get that. And I feel like that's a common way we tell people to approach that kind of thing. But I wonder if instead of, in a way, that puts the the partner on the spot. Tell me something that I don't know. 
Right, 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 right. And so I wonder if instead you express the honest feeling of it really makes me feel sad that you don't want to be with me sexually. Because I think if you are, when you say that to somebody, especially a person who loves you, a person who, you know, you co-parent with and you're in this life together with, that will affect them. They don't want you to be sad or hurt. And then he may be real. Like, it's like, it's like, I don't want you to feel shitty. So, okay, but this is where I'm at. But Blue said that they've been in therapy and I, I, I'm just, I want to know like, what is at the, like, if Blue has already said stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, what's at the... Yeah. Yeah, we don't know though. We don't know. When, I don't, you know, we, we don't know. So many people, we could all be in therapy and not be honest. We could all be in therapy and not do the work outside of it. Yeah. Right. We can be in therapy and not even say it in the middle of you know, right. in the actual session. Right. I sorry. I, I have this problem. It's the same thing when like earlier when I was saying like, doesn't everyone see themselves from the <laughs> third person point of view? And then right. and then it's the same I just assume like everyone I'm like, what's the point of going to therapy if you're not gonna be honest? Like you're just like wasting time so i yeah. just assume like everyone i guess the real thing to get to the bottom point. of is like what does what is blue need and what does blue want and if blue needs or is interested in having relations outside of her relationship is her husband down with that and is that something that they can handle like because i i'm i it is possible to be in a loving relationship and they'll and she could have sexual relations outside but yeah. then they have to come up with ground rules and they have mm-hmm. to see if they're both comfortable with it but she should not be in a position to uh, put her pleasure in the back seat for 10 years. Like she needs, yeah. if, if it's yeah. something that's missing in her life, she needs to get it somehow, not, not being, you know, not get it somehow in a way that I'm trying to make it, you know, whatever. I just think that like, if she needs something, she's entitled to it as if yes. there's a, if there's a conversation and a road where she can, if she cannot get what she needs from him, can can there be an arrangement or can they put some ground rules down? I mean, the dream would be that they both come together and have, you know, a healthy sex life together. But it just maybe it's not in the cards. Maybe that's not going to happen. Yeah, but I mean, she was even saying, though, she like doesn't know what her identity is necessarily. Right. right. So like she doesn't even have the room maybe to even understand let alone act on whether, she, you know, she said, I might be Polly, I think, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, to me, I'm like, what you are is you want to be touched. <laughs> like, you want to have a sexual relationship. Right, right, yeah. right. And so if your partner has shown that that's not something he can give you, you're like, well, okay, do I just go hook up with somebody else? But exactly, you don't know, as you're saying, Michael, like, you know, kind of like, can you keep emotion out of it? What are the ground rules? Can, you know what I mean? Like, the actual practice of polyamory. Right. Um, because it is work, right, so, to maintain all that. And so, yeah, you don't know that because you haven't been able to. But I think that's also a question then, I mean, a conversation to have with your partner. And, you know, and if any of these conversations are scary, you know, I don't know if he's somebody who gets defensive or who gets angry or whatever, you know, try to have as many of these conversations in the therapist's couple's office as possible, right? So you can have, you know, someone who can kind of mediate if necessary, clarify if necessary, um yeah but i think these are conversations these are just like conversations yeah i mean i, I don't know I, I guess maybe Joel, i'm just echoing what you're saying michael which is like there is no there's nothing wrong with you for wanting this physical relationship right what happened i wonder if so- what happened right there was the uh blue said they had a healthy sex life and then it went to 
you know, every two and a half years or something, right? Well, four times in 10 years. I, I, but I'm, I'm, just, saying, right. but, but I'm saying, did you like, say it was healthy before? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I want to know that. I want to know what happened. Yeah. If there, if something did or did not, it, it may not. Right. Right. But right. like, but like, right. If, if there's a change, I, I don't know. I don't want this to be a hard and fast rule, but like, I kind of feel like maybe it is something. If there's a drastic change in your life, something did it. Right. Right. Yeah. It, I don't think there's spontaneous change. I think there there might be something that either happened in in internally in his life yeah. or internally. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. It could have been a realization, maybe something happened to him. I don't know right. what the, but like what was it? What yeah, what was it? And what what gives me hope about it is that you can hear the love in her. You can right. hear that this is not a relationship that's like gone past its expiration date. This is not a relationship that is, you know, there might be this issue and it sounds like a very large issue, but she sounds like there's so much love there. And the fact yeah. that he even is, is talking to her a, a little bit about, you know, it's not you and he's willing to go to th- uh, therapy. Like hopefully there's a way to manage because the love is there. Maybe their relationship is that and the other mm-hmm. stuff is somewhere else. Like, I don't know, but I don't, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't sound like it's like, past its uh, expiration date. It just sounds like there's a lot of stuff to figure out and it's going to be really hard and I really hope they do, you know? Yeah. Also, this is one of the things I, I have, we don't really, I don't say this often, but it's like, are there any listeners who have been in long-term relationships and struggled with maintaining a sex life? Would love a response email because it's something we don't necessarily know, but or I also- Or voicemail. Or voicemail, because, you know, I love to hear where you're at emotionally. But- I don't think this is an uncommon problem. You know, blue is not a freak. The relationship's not so crazy. It's a hard thing to deal with, but I do think people deal with it. You know, like people have to deal with this all the time. And, you know, and I wonder if having kids changes the vibe or, you know, there's so many things that can affect how we see ourselves as sexual creatures. And I think that because there's often the what do you call it? The stereotype of like men always wanting to fuck, you know, that like they don't have a space to talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, true, right. Right. Like it's always assumed sure. that like a guy is ready and I yeah. think that they don't have a space to talk about sure, this what stuff a, what as an much. evangelical picture. Of- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I think you're right, Andy, like was there, was there a life change or something? Even like uh, Sharon sleeps in between me and Brian every night now. Mm-hmm. So like we're not having sex at night. <laughs> you know, that used to be maybe a thing like, oh, I woke up and, you know, yeah. but that's not happening anymore because our little baby is sleeping with <laughs> us in between. Um, uh, Sharon's our dog, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I wish her the best and I hope that it works out for them in whatever way that way it's supposed to right yeah right 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 yeah. definitely Ugh, relationships are hard being human's hard yeah <laughs> it really is oh. i mean i don't know i will say this though like the idea of having sex with the same person for the rest of your life is wild and i don't mean in a sense of sowing wild oats like i sh- you got to get out there as much as being afraid it will get boring for like the other person does that make any sense right yeah it's only boring if you make it boring right it's only boring if you like dig the rut and then just like (laughs) roll around in it 
roll around in the rut. Yeah. That's a good that's a good way to describe sex. (laughs) Instead of rolling in the hay, you're rolling in the rut. (laughs) But like that's I mean, if look, this is the thing. This is the uh, about I can say this general. I can generalize with this statement. Uh, Your life is all about how you apportion out the energy that's in your body. Mm. Right. What are you going to give that energy to? Are you going to give it to bullshit like arguing on Twitter? (laughs) Are you going to give it to bullshit like posting anti-vax shit on (laughs) Facebook? Or are you going to put that energy into your loved ones? Are you going to put that energy into your work? Are you going to put that energy into your children, your animals, your sex life? Like, where are you going to, you know, you have like a certain, you have a, 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 what's this thing in D&D at the beginning? If you're, you get a certain amount of like, uh, (laughs) life tokens. I don't know. know. I'm really out of my depth. I don't know why I stretched (laughs) for this metaphor. Like I played D&D like 10 times when I was like 13. Um, <laughs> but you get like, ro- you roll the dice and you get to put the numbers to your certain, like your charisma and all this. Kind of right, right, right. What you apportion. You get to yeah. portion it out yeah. in certain ways. <laughs> and this stuff only gets boring when you stop putting the energy. I thought about that a lot. I, I This has been a constant thing in our relationship where I'm like, if I feel like, oh, we haven't gone out in a while. I'm like, we got to put energy into like having a date night or going on a vacation or something like that. That's right. Exactly. And you can't take it for granted. Like he can't take for granted that she's okay not having sex. Yes. And if he's, and he might have to come to terms with the fact that he might learn to be okay, have to learn to be okay with her having sex with other people or lose her. Like it does seem like there Mm -hmm. has to be some sort of not taking for granted, putting some effort in and, uh. Were we still talking about Blue? I'm like hooked. I'm like absolutely uh, hooked on her. I know. Me too. But also I'll say this too about me sometimes with sex where I'm like, I'm not necessarily in the sexual mood again because it's like not how I do it. But sometimes I will start and then I'm happy to be there. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes for me it's like going, I, I imagine the way people say going to the gym is where you're like, I don't feel like going. And then once, yeah. you go, once you're there, you're like, I love the endorphin. <laughs> yeah, like you know? seeing, seeing a friend. <laughs> like <laughs> Leaving the apartment. Like it's like all of that where it's like, that's like the story of my life. It's like every time I do something, like I don't want to do it. And then I'm like, I'm really glad I did that. You know, right. it's just, right. it's just, yeah, like start and creak your way uh, into that <laughs> sex. Yeah. Then, oh, I think I have a good way of, of describing sex negative okay it is uh the boundaries between your regular life your your regular mode and sex mode are thicker uh-huh like, so i can't just to, flip into that not, sexy yeah, boundary yeah you can't just like push through. it's not like uh you're um a basketball player running through that paper like you're, they're announcing what it's like a high saying? school. Listen to this metaphor. Hold on. You know, in high school basketball players, they, there's like a paper thing that they run, they announce them and they run out and they run through that. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. yes, yes, yes. yes. It, it, that's if you're sex positive. You can just run right through right. paper thin. This paper thin. Yeah. And, uh, but for if you're sex neutral, it's more like a jelly. And if you're sex negative, it's more like a, a brick ball. wall. <laughs> I was gonna say balsa wood. You gotta like crack through it. You gotta crack through oh, it. All right. I mean, I I'm like I'm like privately sex positive, so I'm like wrapped in that paper. That's so good though, despite the Irish Catholic shame. Yeah, that you're yeah. sex positive. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I mean, it's like look, I get it. I get. It's just, I don't know. I just much rather cut a lot of couch. Yeah, I, I, stuff. 
Cuddle on a couch watching Beastars. Exactly. Only on Netflix. (laughs) I'm not promoting Beastars. It's an insane program. (laughs) Anyway, Michael, this was honestly the best. Yeah. It was so nice. And my book, you're still Christian of the year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This was so nice. I'm such a fan of both of you. And this is so nice to talk to you. Oh, so wonderful. Wait, before we go, how is Mabel? Maybe. Back to normal. She's in remission. Back to normal. Yes. In yes. remission and back to normal. She's in remission. And yeah, the last few days she has been sleeping until like nine something. Not peeing <gasps> inside. Not peeing inside. She is getting through the night, honey. This is I huge. love it. That's awesome. That makes me really happy. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com